Come on, let's take some time right now. And let's just begin to worship God. Come put your hands together. Let's give Him praise. Let's take about 10, 15, 20 seconds. And let's just begin to give Him praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, somebody give Him praise. Come on, take your time. And let's begin to give Him praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we worship you, mighty God. Oh, hallelujah, mighty God. How many of you remember the story of Joseph where he went from the pit to the palace and he went back to prison, then he went back to the palace? How many remember that story in Genesis? But believe it or not, that's exactly a modern-day story of my life. From going from the pit to the palace and from the palace to prison and from the prison back into the palace house because when God starts something, I got news for you, God doesn't stop. Somebody say amen. If God calls you, there ain't no devil in hell that can stop the calling of God in our lives. Somebody shout amen. Thank you guys. You guys did great. It Maybe you give me some treble. I got a terrible voice, as a matter of fact, besides all of my other frailty, uh, inadequacies, I got a very terrible voice. Give me some, uh, some treble. But I want you to look at your neighbor right now, and I want you to tell him, get ready. There we go. God really wants to give you a word. Now, how many of you really believe that here this morning? I don't think, I don't think we came out this morning just to hear a guy or a man. We actually came out. You came out of, uh, out of your way. Some of you traveled an hour, four hours like in Reno. So we're actually here to, this morning because we really want to hear something from God. Somebody say amen. Are you ready? Give that person a high five next to you, and you may be seated here this morning. Well, let me thank, first of all, Pastor Eddie and his wife for the opportunity of being here. I haven't been over here in about seven years, I think. And uh, uh, some, I don't know the majority of you. I, knew, I know all the pastors, Pastor Eddie and his wife. And I'm so happy to see Bert and some of the pastors, David, Pastor Pepe. And, uh, and I'm very, very proud to see Pastor Esteban, uh, to be here with him. I'm so happy. And uh, his dad was um, probably one of my mentors, probably, well, be, way, be, way beyond that. Matter of fact, he was a man that I would call all the time, very, very dear friend of mine. And a very, very dear friend of mine is here, and I know she's uh, been a part of our ministry forever. And I didn't mean that in a bad way. And I'm so happy to see Sister Josie here this morning. I've always... Uh, I've always looked at Josie, Linda and I, I always looked at Josie like a big sister, always there, and we go back a long ways. And matter of fact, just last week, we celebrated, my wife and I, 34 years of marriage. And uh, through, uh, through thick and thin, we've been together, and through some rough times and some good times. But, you know, praise be to God, we're still here, hallelujah. Through the grace of God, we're still here, we're still marching forward. We realized something a long time ago, my friend. That when God calls us, when it's a divine calling of God, no matter what you go through, you, we're able to weather the storm. Somebody say amen. And that's a whole emphasis that we do at Victory Outreach that we're always teaching people about discipleship. It's not just about getting saved and born again. Those are probably the, the primary, the first things we do. But once the Lord gets a hold of us and we allow God to do something in us, that discipleship process takes place that teaches us, come hell or high water, we're going to stick it out. No matter what I go through, we're not going to throw in the towel. Somebody say amen. And that's our life story here this morning. And my friends, I'm so happy to be here, to be frankly honest with you. 
Linda got, uh, she just had a surgery done not too long ago, a procedure, and she came by faith. And I told Pastor Eddie, she came by faith, she made it all the way in, uh, on the plane to the hotel, and then all last night she couldn't, she couldn't, uh, uh, she's not feeling very well, so she's there at the hotel. She goes, what am I going to do? I'm going to speak. I says, don't worry, homegirl, you just stay in the, in the hotel, you watch a movie, and uh, Daddy will take care of you, and uh, I'm going to preach my message, and I'll throw some lugs from hers, amen, here this morning, but uh, she felt so bad of not being able to be here, so praise the Lord. Hopefully, I don't disappoint you. I got a word for you. I really, we really feel this, Linda and I, that we have a word for you, so I'm going to speak my message, and maybe some other time we can have her come back, and she can share that particular word that she feels that God has given her. So I want you to turn to a Bible, a, a verse in the Bible. Well, it's a story that we don't really hear much of. As a matter of fact, I've been with Victory Church now a little over 30 years, and I, I've been in the ministry over 25, and I really never preached a story. I'm a, I have to be frankly honest. Of all the stories in the Bible, I have never, ever preached a story. And immediately, when Pastor Eddie and I were talking, and he, he gave me the opportunity to come up here, and he says, I want you to speak uh, in our regional. I says, it's an honor. Amen. I'll do it. Immediately, this story just fell in our heart. That's when we know that it's God. Sometimes we can muster and get creative and we want to come and impress and do the best we can for you. And that's when you know it's not really God, it's man, it's ourselves. But when you know immediately where you don't have to struggle with the message, preachers know this, when you know you don't have to struggle, when you know that immediately when you went to prayer and God gives you a word, you know it comes from God. Somebody say amen. So today I'm going to take you to a different direction. So if you're taking notes, no syllabus here today, but if you're taking notes, I want you to turn to a very old story in 2 Kings chapter number 4. 2 Kings chapter number 4. And I'll be with Pastor Eddie in Sacramento tomorrow, Sunday, so we're very excited about that in Sacramento. I haven't been in Sac... There's a Sacramento people right there. Amen. And there they are. And we know where the youth are at too. They're over there. Sacramento's over there. The rehab is over there. The ushers are over there. <laughs> all right, 2 Kings chapter number 4. When you're there, say amen. Now, I know we have a, a march and all that, so I won't keep you here very long, so just bear with me a little bit. And let's get into this word, 2 Kings chapter 4. Let's look at verse number 8. I'm going to read to you out of the NIV due to the fact of one word, and I'll bring it up across later. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse number 8. One day Elijah went to Shunem. This is a city about north of Jericho. And a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he was like an evangelist traveling. Whenever he came by, he stopped her to eat at this house. So the Shunemite woman tells her husband, I know, I know that this is a holy man who often comes our way and he stays with us. Verse number 10, she says, let's make, say it with me, let's make a small room on the roof and put in a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp for him. So when he comes by here, he can stay with us. All right, honey. Okay, didn't say that, but that's what happened. He goes, all right, honey. So the day came when Elijah came by and he went up to his room and he laid down there. And he said to his servant Gehazi, Call the Shunammite woman. So he called her and she stood before the prophet. Elijah said to her, tell me, you have gone all out of your way. You've done all this trouble for us. What can be done for you? Isn't that nice? 
when you go out of your way and you're serving and you're helping others, when they return the favor, somebody say amen. Okay, because we don't get too many favors returned sometimes, right? You have gone out of, out of your way, all this trouble just for me. What can I do for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her, Elijah asked. In other words, another translation said, listen, thank you, Elijah, but I'm well taken care of. I'm okay. So Elijah was a little troubled. He says, what can be done for this woman? Elijah asked his servant Gehazi. He said, well, uh, prophet, she has no son. And her husband, well, he's an old dude already. Then Elijah said, well, call her. So he came again, and she stood at the doorway, the threshold of the door. About, and he tells her, listen, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. What? You're going to hold a son in your arms. No way, my Lord, she replied. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant. And about that time next year, that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elijah had told her. Follow this. The child grew, and one day, he's growing up, and while his father's out in the field working, he said to his father, Dad, Father, my head hurts. My head hurts. It's repeated twice here for a reason. His father told the servant, hey, carry my son to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until about noontime, and then he died. The boy died. She went up. Look what she did. She laid him on the bed of the, of the prophet. Then she shuts the door and leaves. She calls her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why are you leaving? He asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. It's all right. She said, don't worry about it. She saddled the donkey and said to the servant, lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she, sent, she set out came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her, when Elijah saw her at a distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, hey, isn't that the Shunammite woman? He goes, run to meet her and ask her, is everything okay? Is your husband okay? Is your son okay? Is everything okay? When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, no, leave her alone. This woman is troubled, but the Lord has not revealed it to me what's up. And she begins to pour out her heart to the man of God. She says, did I ever ask you for a son, my Lord? She said, didn't I tell you, don't, 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 don't raise up my hopes? Elijah said to Gehazi, take your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anybody you meet. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face and find out his condition. But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you leave, live, I will not leave you. So he got up and he followed her. Gehazi went up ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no life in him. So Gehazi went back to meet Elijah and told him, the boy has not awakened. He's dead. When Elijah reached the house, there the boy was lying on the bed. He went in, shut the door on the two of them and prayed unto the Lord. Then he got on the bed and laid on the boy, mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand. As he stretched himself on the boy, the, body's, the boy's body grew warm. Elijah turned away and walked back and forth in the room. Then he got in the bed again and stretched out his, uh, his hands uh, on top of the boy. Then the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. 
Elijah summoned Gehazite and said, Call the Shunammite woman. And he did. When she came in, he said, Take your son. She came in and fell at his feet and began to worship right there at the ground. Then she took her son and went out. Father, we thank you here this morning. Father, for the next few moments that we're here this Saturday morning, I pray that you would minister to us. Let your word fall on good ground this morning. And God, we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, we all shout. We all shout. We have a very, very remarkable story here in this Old Testament of uh, Elijah going through the city and he meets this well-to-do woman. Matter of fact, the King James Version uses a different lingo. It, it uses the word great woman. The NASB uses prominent woman. Another translation uses notable or, or noble, excuse me, woman. But right here in the NIV, I like it. It says that it was a well-to-do woman. A well-to-do couple. We would consider them in this day and age, we would consider them more like a middle-class family. Now, what's interesting is that their names are not mentioned. Check this out. Isn't that something? Their names are not mentioned. They're really not known who they are, only that they're respectable people. They're, they're well-to-do people. They're middle-class people. What I have realized that in order to be successful, and today's topic is family and marriage, family and ministry, and if we're going to succeed in family and in ministry, I believe we can learn something from this couple. And one of the things that I see here is that there are some things that we must, let me use the word, integration. And I don't mean that differently. But uh, let me change it. Let's, we must intertwine. We must integrate some things that we're about to see here in this story. Because when it comes to family and ministry, you can never ever go overboard to one side and neglect the other. Somebody say amen. You, you cannot become uh, an extremist to ministry and neglect your family. And you can never become an extremist on family issues and matters that we neglect our ministry. Somebody shout amen. So the Bible says that when Elijah the prophet would go through this town by the name of Shunem, it was there that he met this very, very special couple that took care of him. And they took interest in him. And it says that they persisted. One translation uses a word that they persuaded him. Come on. They urged him. Hey, prophet, whenever you're in town, whenever you go through Hayward, we need you to come to our house. Whenever you go through Sacktown, Sacramento, we need you to come to our house. And they went out of their way to invite the evangelists, invite the men of God into their house. Somebody say amen. Now, let me show you some important keys here that we can learn for family and ministry today. Because I believe all of us. Matter of fact, I just celebrated 34 years of marriage, and by the grace of God, all my kids have been involved in church. All my kids ha have been saved. And not to say we didn't have our struggles. Not to say they didn't act up. I tell you, if you have kids, there comes a day when we all act up. Somebody say amen. There is no, no special favorites that, that they ain't going to go through it sooner or later, and hopefully later, is all kids act up once in a while. And we were no different. So what happens here in this particular story is that we see something very, very, what I call profound. Something very, very profound. Let me get into points very quickly here this morning. Point number one, if we're going to have a successful mar family, well, marriage as well, and ministry, there always has to be a blending, an integration 
On interlocking, we use a word here in ministry. It's called balance in ministry and family. If we don't have balance in ministry and family, one of them is going to suffer. One of them will suffer. If you start saying, hey, man, it's all about me, and I'm busy in ministry. I ain't got time to go to my boys' baseball. I ain't got, listen, we're going to suffer. And then if we go to the extreme side where, hey, I can't make it to the discipleship on Saturday. I got to go and, and, and I got to go to the mall. Hello, somebody. My, my, our issue over there, man, is the mall. They got some big malls in Oregon. And everybody seems to go to the mall only on discipleship days. Everybody wants to wash clothes on Sunday. Everybody wants to do a tremendous cooking on Sunday morning. I said, no, no, no. Those days are for church. Somebody say amen. Those days are for church. Now, let me explain what I mean about implementing balance within family and ministry. Implementing balance and uh, in implementing balance within family and ministry. Now, what we read earlier is that this couple, this woman and her husband agreed to build or an add-on to their house for the man of God. I call this, if you want to write this down, that special spiritual room in their home. Follow me now. I think in all of our homes, we should have that special spiritual room where we visit God. Somebody say amen. Now follow me. What's happening is here. Is that it goes much deeper than them wanting to look good. I want everybody to see me. I want everybody to see what I am doing. Look at us. We're building a room for the man of God. It went beyond that. What's important is that we need to learn how to integrate. Let me just use that word. How to intertwine, integrate, follow me now, the natural with the spiritual. The natural with the spiritual. Let me get a little bit deeper on that. What's happening is here, when I talk about the natural, what I see with this couple, they were willing to integrate not only natural things, their, their jobs, their homes, their family, those are natural things. But the spiritual things are the things of the Lord, God's presence, God's anointing that we want His spirit. Hey, listen, without God's spirit, then church becomes just a building. Without God's spirit, then our house is not a home. Without God's spirit, we really don't have really what it's going to take for us to succeed. Somebody shout amen. There has to be that integration of not just having the natural things of, uh, of the world, the common things, but learning how to bring in the spirit into our home, learning how to bring in the spiritual into our ministry, learning how to bring in the spiritual into our lives. Somebody shout amen. What I've seen is that we have no problem coming to church and acting spiritual. And we have no problem acting spiritual around other brothers and sisters. But what I have seen in my last few years that there's been some families that, oh my God, the moment they go home, everything changes. Matter of fact, their homes are like one of these sci-fi horror flicks. Wow, everything's going well at home. And all hell breaks loose and, and they're on the phone, Pastor, help me. What's going on? My husband, he's acting like, uh, I know he's a man, but he's acting like Linda Blair, the exorcist. Wow. The dude's vomiting, he's, he's spitting at me. But when we're at church, we have no problem, right, with the spiritual. How are you doing? God bless you. Hey, brother, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And what I see within this couple, not only was there mutual consent, not only was there a unity in this couple, not only was there agreement between this couple, but they built this special spiritual room 
because they wanted the spiritual in their house. It went beyond just the prophet. I believe there was, they were looking for something. They detected something in Elijah that they wanted. When they had Elijah over their house, they felt something. They noticed something. She says, I have noticed that this man, when he stops by, we can sense something different. The man of God, he's a holy man. We can sense the presence of God. We can sense the anointing of God. We can sense the power of God. Listen, without us sensing the power and the anointing of God, God, then we're nothing. They, they, I, what I see is that they were mixing or uh, integrating the spiritual with the natural things of life. Remember the story in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42, when Jesus visits another couple, two ladies, one by the name of Martha and the other one Mary. And remember when Jesus would go down to their house? And they would invite him for dinner. In one occasion, Jesus goes to this house and they're sitting down. And all of a sudden, Martha, let me explain what I mean by natural and spiritual. What we find out is that Martha gets so preoccupied with the natural things. She gets caught up with all the common things. And Mary's over there sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she's just hearing them out. She's just taking it all in while Martha was over there cooking and, and cleaning the dishes. And she had to wash the clothes. Now listen to me. We got to do those things too, right? I mean, we got to eat. Somebody say amen. But there is a, a balance. There is the right timing when to do the natural in comparison to the spiritual. And Jesus himself brings it out. He goes, I, I think he had a little bit of Latino in him. He goes, I, Martha, Martha. Right? I can't say that in my church because I have a lot of black in my church. But, you know, so at my church I go, oh, Martha, Martha. What's wrong with you, girl? Here I can say, I, Martha, Martha. ¿Qué te pasa? What's wrong with you, Martha? You see what Mary's doing over here? Mary has recognized that she's in the realm of the spiritual right now. Martha's taking it all in. She's receiving the presence of God there, the spirit of God there. And I'm not going to allow you or anybody else to take it away from her. For what she does is a good thing. Listen, my friends, there are times that we got to be careful we don't become Martha's and we get all caught up with the common natural things of life hello somebody which is uh, it's necessary but we got to be careful that we don't get caught up with all just the natural things of life yet mary chose to stay right there at the feet of jesus she saw something spiritual she felt the anointing of god she felt the power of god and she goes no i ain't leaving ain't nobody gonna take me from here i'm gonna stay here i'm gonna get some of mine i'm gonna get what god has in store for me and i'm not gonna let go until jesus blesses me somebody shout amen listen she understood the presence of god she understood that she was in a special place. Say it with me, special place. She understood that she was in the spiritual place. Now, in life, we got to have a lot of balance because there are times that we're operating the natural. Then there's time we got to operate in the spiritual. Somebody say amen. She understood that she was right there, listen to this, in that special spiritual room. I think all of us in this place, if you're leaders, 
if your head departments, if your ministers, we got to develop what we call those special spiritual rooms. Somebody say amen. Where we can sense the presence of God. Where we can be alone with God. When God can speak to us, somebody say amen. We got to know when it's time to get into the spiritual. Somebody shout amen. We got to know when it's time to get into the presence of God. We got to know when to tap into the power of God. We got to know when the anointing of God is flowing. I'm not going to leave this place until God moves upon my life. And I think, I think this woman found it. I think the Shunammite woman found it. She felt it. She says, honey, I don't know what it is, but every time Pastor Eddie comes to the house. Now, I don't know about Pastor Max, but every time Pastor Eddie comes to the house, something, I feel something. What do they feel when you come over? Hey, I remember one time Linda and I went to go and do some follow-up. This was about an awkward moment. And I remember, I didn't even want to go. You know, just in the, I was in the flesh, in the natural. <laughs> Linda says, hey, we got these few people got to follow up. I says, hijuela, not today, man. I just don't feel like it. Let's do it anyway. And there we went doing our pastoral duties. And there we go, and we knock at this person's house. And I probably didn't knock that hard. You probably do it like this first. Nobody's here, man. <laughs> Nobody's here, honey. You know what? Just, just leave him a flyer. No, no, no. Persistent Shunammite woman. Persistent victory outreach women. She goes, knocking the door a little harder, man. What's the matter with you? Come on. Knock on the door. She goes like that. And then they open the door like crack addicts. Hi, pastor. I says, hi. Hey, uh. Linda and I were just driving by, which that wasn't true either. We were doing follow-up. My house was about 20 miles away, and they're over here. In the we were just driving by, and we just wanted to say hi and see how you guys are doing. Just, the, the door is barely cracked. We're doing fine. What do you want? <laughs> I was wondering, and I'm trying to make my way in. <laughs> it's the truth. I said, heck, I didn't come all this far. Now you're going to shut the door on me, girl? I was wondering, and you know how we do it. I was wondering, and we can come in. Then her husband comes behind her, and he's a little taller, so you can see his head. What do you want, Pastor? Just want to talk to you guys. I want to come in and fellowship. Well, if you must. I says, I must. <laughs> we open the door and. We're walking in. I see the couches there, the table, TV. And I'm standing in the middle of the room. I'm waiting for them to tell me, go ahead and take a seat, Pastor. So we're standing. I'm looking at Linda like, with that look, Mira, look what you got us into. And uh, <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't sit us down in their house. Didn't offer us a cup of water. Nothing. And I was just dying to get out. Uh, I, I, I shared my piece and, hey, we want to see you in church. You know what, by the way, we got to leave already. Come on, honey, let's go. And the moment we left, I says, what did you feel there? She goes, hijuela. She's Latina. Hijuela. What an ugly spirit we felt. But yet, we've been around other homes 
where you walk in and oh my gosh, you feel the presence of God in this family and you feel uh, you feel the presence of God, the joy of God. You feel that hospitality. They take you in. Come on in, pastor. Sit down. Would you like some coffee? Yes, please, some espresso. Yes. What about a, uh, uh, what about a, a 190 extra hot vanilla latte? Hold the phone, please. And yes, I'll take one of those. But man, there are times when you go to some people's houses, you don't sense no spirituality whatsoever. How many can say amen? Mary chose the good thing. Mary said, man, she felt something. The Shunanite woman felt something. The moment that the prophet was there, she felt something. She felt the presence of God. Listen, that's why as leaders... As ministers, even church members, we must learn the principle of balance. Always integrating the balance with family and ministry. Never becoming extremists to one end to the other end because we're going to suffer. Somebody say amen. I've counseled my friends in the last 20 years that we've been in Portland. I've counseled people that, oh my God, let me take it to another uh, side of the coin. I've counseled people that they become too spiritually minded, as you know, that they become no earthly good. And yet you have some couples, man, and some people that are so fleshly that they have no spirituality whatsoever. I recall a couple in my church, and boy, they were hurting. And Linda and I counseling them over and over again. And as time went on, we were detecting that they were very an off-balance couple. And man, it was hard to work with them. And then they became leaders in the church. And that's even worse. It gets hard. Any pastor will tell you that our biggest uh, work is not with church members. It's with leaders. Okay, only two pastors said that. The rest of them are trying to protect themselves for Sunday morning because they want you to come. But since I'm a guest, I'll tell you. And when I leave, praise the Lord, you'll forget all about me. So please uh, don't record this today. And they were crying, Pastor, I don't know what to, what to do with my girls. They had a lot of girls and one boy. As a matter of, as time went on, because they never learned the principle of balance, they did not learn how to integrate the natural with the spiritual things in their life. They were so caught up with spirituality. They were the type of people that you couldn't even go out and have dinner with because everything was just about spiritual things. I mean, I don't care what we were doing. I was driving in the car. They were in my back seat. I says, man, you know what, Linda? I'm not feeling good. She would shout, Pastor, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. I, I said, hey, girl, I'm all right, man. I just got a little tummy cake. No, that's not of God. And, and I don't know if you ever felt like this, but when you've been around people you can't even talk to, Man, it's going to be a rough day. Oh, no, pastor. It was rough in the beginning of time when it was darkness and, and, and it was void. <laughs> and God came upon the face of the earth and he breathed life. Then the clouds, the fish. I says, cool it, girl. Walk inside the restaurant. And my wife and I don't eat much beef. And all of a sudden, the lady comes up and the waitress and says, yeah, you have any fish or chicken? I really don't eat beef. Pastor, what the Bible says, that what the Lord has made holy and clean, let no man call unclean. I says, you better shut up or I'm taking you home. <laughs> I've had it with you, man. You're not going back home in my car. <laughs> I couldn't talk. 
Man, I was afraid to talk. I was actually thinking about what I said next. Should I say that this water is great? Should I really tell her that I'm addicted to coffee? And thank God we're not Mormons and we're not going to hell. Thank you, Jesus. I was afraid to say the next thing. Well, lo and behold, due to the fact, principle number one, they were off balance. Years went on. They left the church. Years went on. And recently he showed up back in my church. And there was the dad in my conference room crying. He goes, Pastor, I don't know what went wrong. I don't know what. My daughter ended up pregnant. The other one split from home. The other one's in California. The, my son, I don't know where he's at. And he's just crying and pouring out his heart. And I'm saying, oh, my God, I do know where you went wrong. But, Lord, I, I can't tell this guy where he went wrong. It's too late for that. And the guy said, oh, my God, he's just crying. He's a grown man. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, what am I going to tell this guy? Because I know the truth. You never had balance. And I didn't know how to, how, how to tell him that because I didn't want to finish destroying him because we believe in grace and God's gracious. And because grace has been extended to me, I have learned now how to extend grace to others. And there I was, and all I can think about is just embracing him. I said, come here, bro. And we started crying together. I said, it's all right. What the devil has stolen from you, God's going to restore. Hallelujah. God will bring you back your children. God will bring you back your kids. But sometimes, my friends, we don't see the importance of balance. And if we're not careful with balance, man, we can damage either or. We can damage the ministry if we don't have balance, or we can damage our family. There must be the integration of balance with the natural and the spiritual. Oh, let me get a little bit deeper than that. It gets heavier. Point number two, you don't want to miss this one. Number two is very important. The importance of becoming versus just the doing. It's hot here. My summer is about 75 degrees. I've been gone for 20 years. I come from the valley. We're very close to hell. It's 110, 115. So now, now I'm in the promised land. 75. I think today was going to be like 76. The importance of becoming versus the doing. Now listen to this. It's a very crucial point. Am I doing okay? The importance of becoming versus just the doing. We read in verse 18 through 20. Jot this down. As a little boy, I grew up. He wants to be with his father like most boys. I come from a migrant working family. So I know what it is to be out in the field. Never graduated from first grade. I never went to a prom. Never went to a game. I don't even know how to fish. All we were about was work. Growing up with the hardcore Mexican family, all I knew was about work, work and work, and then play, play, play. That meant party. And uh, so, so growing up, wanting to be next to my father, I could understand this boy. And the Bible says that this boy goes with his father out in the field. Now, listen to me. Don't misjudge this father nor misjudge what I'm about to say. And when the boy says to daddy, hey, dad, my head hurts. My head, I think today we respond real differently, don't we? I got grandkids. My grandson uh, just graduated from high school. And I got grandkids. And boy, we just, we attend to them at their beck and call, don't we? Somebody say amen. And, and here the Bible says that the boy started saying, hey, dad, I'm not feeling good. Hey, dad, my head hurts. My head hurts. He said it twice. But the father was so busy. 
He got so busy that all he said was, Hey, he called one of the servants. He called one of the ushers. Hey, Jimmy, come here. Jimmy, take this boy to his mama. I'm busy right now. Son, go, go, go with mama. Mama will take care of you. And all in a sudden, the Bible says that when the boy was sitting on mama's lap, he dies. Now listen to this. Don't judge me. We're involved in a very exciting, vision-driven ministry because we're called to reach the world, somebody say amen. We're called to, to reach our inner cities. We're called to reach our cities. The reason Esteban is doing what he's doing today, because we want to impact our cities for God, somebody shout amen. In spite of all that, we have to be careful with the trap. I call it entrapment. The entrapment of busyness. Busy. Busy. Doing doing and doing some more sometimes we're so caught up with doing 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 busy 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 i was going from one meeting to the next meeting from one event we finished having an event we got another event going on and from one event to the next event i was so busy that i was lost it has its place we got to stay busy if we don't stay busy if we don't work the bible says we won't eat and we don't reach out souls will die so there is, back point one, a balance. But I got so off balance, my friend, that my life consisted of busyness. And from one calendar appointment to the next calendar appointment, from one event to the next event, and so on and so on. Whether you're in full-time ministry or you're a stay-home mom or dad or perhaps you own your own business, we got to work hard. How many understand that? Say amen. But we must be careful that we don't get so caught up with just performance Versus the becoming. And sometimes it's easy to get caught up with performance. Doing, doing, doing. I, I, I got to do this, man. I'm doing this for my pastor. No, we're doing it to the Lord. Oh, man, I, I, I got to get busy. I got to get busy. I, I, I can't take a day of rest. If I take a day of rest, it's not good. Busy, busy, busy. Listen, it's important that it's not just about performance. But it's the becoming. God is interested in the becoming, putting on the nature of Christ, becoming more Christ-like, putting on the spiritual versus just the natural. Somebody say more. Listen, 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 my friend. God is more interested in our relationship with him than all the business we do for him. Listen, God is more interested in our fellowship with him than all the accomplishments that we can do for him. Amen, somebody. God is more interested in our time alone with him than all the work, work, work that we can do. Why? Because God is more interested in who we are than what we do. Come on, put your hands together here this morning. Oh, I'm not excusing laziness. I'm not excusing lazy people. Uncommitted people. People with no drive. And they just merely exist. That's not what we're called to do. God has given us a vision. God has given us a calling. God has given us a God-divine purpose to ruin our cities for God, to win people for God, to get the, the unsaved saved, get the lost back into the kingdom of God. God has given us a mission and a mandate. We're called to reach a world. Somebody say amen. And we got to stay busy. But I believe that some of us sometimes, as myself, have become perhaps performance-based rather than service-based. 
And we get so busy of doing, 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 instead of becoming. Oh, my God. There came a, a time and a place in my life that, that all I was, matter of fact, you can just call me Brother Doer. Hey, Max, Brother Doer. Hey, Doer. Not Doogie, Doer. Doer, Doer, Doer. Listen, listen, if I, 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 I was to tell you of all the times that I just got cut up with doing and doing and performing and performing from one event to the next event, I made a lot of mistakes and my family suffered for it. But by the grace of God, hallelujah, I'm still here. Thank you, Jesus. A second chance has been given. Some of us have a third chance. Some of us have a fourth chance. Hallelujah, somebody. If we're going to experience the power of God, the anointing of God, the presence of God in our family and in our ministry, we need those special spiritual rooms where we can get a hold of God and God can get a hold of us and we can pour out our heart to God and say, God, I am fragile. God, I am weak. God, I need you this morning. God, do the supernatural. Come on, somebody. That special spiritual room it's a place where God can build us, where God can mold us, where God can shape us. Ministry is not just about performance. Ministry is not just about duty, somebody say amen. But it's about true Christian service, serving others with the right heart, the right motive, the right attitude, the right perspective. Let me show you what true Christian service looks like versus performance. It's been said that performance is more about me, myself and I, and what I can do. Christian service is about more about doing for others. Performance is more about what I can do versus Christian service is more about what God can do through me. Performance usually leads to more to duty versus Christian service Leads to giving up oneself. Performance usually leads to self-glorification, self-gratification, rather than everything that I do that God may get glorified. Listen, friends, everything we do, God must be glorified. Everything about us, everything we do must bring glory to Christ. It must bring glory to God. It has to bring glory to God. If it's not bringing glory to God, it's bringing glory to somebody else. Somebody shout amen. I truly believe that most of us, well, some of us, not most of us, some of us make what it's called reactive decisions. What reactive decisions means that we react to everything that's going around us right here and now. And then we do our best to work our way out of those circumstances or problems that we're going through. Somebody say amen. That is called a natural response. Jim, I think it's Jim Sayer, the pastor said, we are not missionaries. Most of us are reactionaries. <laughs> Oh, pastor, I'm going through it. What's up? What's up? Oh, my God. My car broke down. And there's a TriMet system. There's a bus system. And we go through all kinds of changes. and We start reacting rather than doing some proactive measures to do the right thing. Now, what I want to point out is here, point number two, about the becoming versus just the doing is this. We saw a father here that was busy working, and rightfully so. 
Every man, every woman, we got to work. We got to take care of ourselves. But not at the expense that we're hurting family. Not at the expense that I'm hurting the Lord. Not at the expense that I'm missing out what God has called me to do. Once again, point one, balance. Balance within the natural and the spiritual. And what we find here is that this lady did some proactive decisions, this Shunammite woman, that we can learn from. Look what she did. Immediately, she takes her son into the prophet's room. What that meant is, once again, she went into that special spiritual room. That special spiritual place where her and God can get a hold of each other. Where I can get a hold of God and God can get a hold of me. She went into that special spiritual room and, and there she places her son. Second of all, she lays her son on the prophet's bed. She laid her son on the prophet's bed. Then she shuts the door and leaves them under the care and the covering of the Lord. Look what she's doing. Then after she takes him to the room, she lays him on the bed. She shuts the door under the covering of the Lord. Then she takes off. Now, I want to show you something. This woman did not crazy. She didn't go into a panic mode. She wasn't a reactor, but she was proactive in the decision she was making. And now look at this. What's happening here is this. After she takes him to the room, after she lays him on the bed, then she shuts the door. The next thing she does, she goes after the man of God. Did you see that? She goes after the man of God. She's, what actually is happening here in the spiritual realm, what's actually happening here is that she is positioning and aligning herself before God to intervene. Point number three. We have to learn here this morning how to always position and align ourselves before God. Somebody shout amen. Not only must we have balance between the natural and the spiritual, not only must we always continually be working on that Christ nature, becoming more Christ-like and not getting caught up with performance, but she got into a place that I saw here that she positioned and aligned herself before the Lord so that God could intervene. She's positioning herself for the move of God. Listen to this. As she places her son on the bed, she is expecting the supernatural to take place. That's what she's saying. After she, she, she goes and places her son, expect, expecting the supernatural, what she does, she goes after now the man of God as an indicator of putting her faith to the test. And she puts her faith into action, believing that the prophet would raise her son up. She leaves. And the Bible says that as she's leaving, the man of God sees her. Listen to me, friend. No matter what you're going through, God sees everything. Oh, when you feel all alone and when you don't know what to do and when you feel helpless and when you feel that no one cares and when you feel that no one's looking at me, when you feel all isolated and all alone, I'm here to tell you here this morning, you're never alone. Hallelujah. God is always with us. God will never leave us, nor forsake us, the Bible says. And as a woman is going after the man of God, she finds the prophet, and the prophet finds her, and there was a distraction, like there always will be a distraction when you're seeking God. Gehazi became that obstacle. Gehazi gets in the front and says, hey, girl, everything all right? Everything's all right. Get out of my way, boy. <laughs> she, uh, look, look at your scripture. She 
bypasses Gehazi and runs to the man of God. The moment she sees the man of God, she falls at her knees and she grabs his feet. Now, the grabbing of the feet is an indicator that, hey, listen, I'm going to travail. I'm going to stick it out, God. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I'm not going to let go. Matter of fact, I am not going back home the same way that I came in. Some of you got to determine that in your heart. I'm not going to go back to Sacktown, back to your town, back to Yuma, back to Westside, Southside Sacramento. I'm not going to go back until you bless me, God. Matter of fact, I'm not going back unless you go with me. And we see that the lady's holding on to the prophet's feet, saying, I'm not going to leave unless you go with me. I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. I am reminded of Genesis, the 32nd chapter, when Jacob is wrestling with God. And there he was, wrestling all night long. And he's wrestling with God. And what did Jacob say? Hey, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. Some of us, I think we give up too soon. Hallelujah. Things are not going our way. We want to give up. Things don't go my way. We want to throw in the towel. Oh, we go through some little pity parties. We go through some little incident, some little trial, some little circumstance, and we want to quit. Yet we see a lady here that positioned herself. She was expecting God to move. She was right there aligning herself, positioning herself for the miraculous to take place. Unless there is a positioning and an alignment with God, no miracles will happen. This woman positioned herself. This woman aligned herself for the supernatural to take place. Listen, I believe this is the type of positioning we need, the alignment that we need to do. If our family ministries are going to succeed, if we're going to experience the miraculous, if we're going to experience the move of God, if we're going to experience the anointing of God, if we're going to experience the supernatural, it's not going to be done by human means, by natural means. We always got to move in the realm of faith, always in the realm of the supernatural, always depending on God and ourselves. Somebody shout amen. Here this morning, as I call the piano player and some of the singers, here this morning, my friends, we are in a time, in a culture, and even in an era that we're not experiencing what we did a few decades ago. Today, we're too caught up with programs. We're caught up with events. We're caught up with a lot of entertainment. That's in my church, too. Give me some, uh, I forgot your name, Art. See that? Art, give us some music. Think about this for a second. We're coming to a place and a time. If we're really going to impact our cities and really impact our churches and really have a tremendous impact in our family. The Bible says that if a man can't take care of his own family, we have no business running the church. If we can't take care of our own family, we have no business leading the church. Oh, I'm not saying we don't make mistakes. You're looking at a prime target right now public record of all the mistakes I made a few years ago. And when I thought that my life was over, the devil was laughing at me. He says, I finally got you. And there I was in the prison yard, 4.30 in the morning, walking on the prison yard praying. Okay. I made some mistakes. Here am I. What are you going to do with me? What next? And I remember waking up every single day, seven days a week, going out to the yard and praying, Lord, here I am. 
I can't pray in there because it's too wild, too crazy, but I can pray out here. I can feel you. I found that little special spiritual corner, that little special spiritual room out in the yard where I was able to go to God and says, God, I don't care who's watching. I don't care. I ain't got nothing to prove to anybody but to you, God. And I recall their man crying out to God, God, have you forgotten me? I said, my name is Max. And I'm from the city of Portland, Oregon. Matter of fact, I can see it pointing north. And I recall, oh man, just crying out right there. God, see, you can't cry inside. You got to be cool in there. On the outside, when nobody's watching, you can cry out your heart. It was early. And there I was, God, can you hear me? I would actually scream like that. And I can sense God telling me, I have not forgotten you. I have not forgotten you. Oh, you did some mistakes. Oh, you got so caught up. Oh, you were a great performer, son. But I need you to be a great servant. I need you to serve with all your heart. God, give me another chance and I'll prove it to you that I'll serve you with all my heart. And I won't get off balance. And God, I won't get caught up with all the natural or super spiritual. But I will come into a place where everything about me builds you. All I care is about building God now. All I care is about building God. All I care is about building His name. Someone told me, oh, don't you want to do great things? I don't want to be great. I want to do great things. I don't want Max to become great. I want to do great things for God. Perspective changed. Bow your heads with me. Attitude change. Spirit change. And until we learn that we have to learn how to work with the spiritual alongside of the natural things in life, then when you're called to serve, then you serve with all your heart. When they tell you, hey man, we're going to the streets, let's do it. Because of Christ. Because of Jesus. I want to glorify my Father. Jesus said it this way. Matthew 5 verse 16, let your light shine. Let your light shine. We're going to let our light shine in a few hours. Let your light shine uh, in front of all the peoples. Let your light shine to the world. That they may see your good works. See your, my good works. Our actions, our behavior. So that when they see me and you, they're going to say, wow, something's different about art. Oh, he can play. But there's something different about, oh, we can sense the power of God. We can sense the presence of God in his life. And the Bible says that as we let our light shine, we begin to glorify God. Stand with me. Please, no moving around. Stand with me. Just throw your hands up in the air. Listen here this morning. Oh, I know thy works, said the Lord. And I know how some of you have endured and stuck it out. And you have remained faithful. And you've stuck it out. And I want you to continue remaining faithful. And I want you to continue marching forward. But don't neglect the spiritual with the natural. Don't get off balance. I want you to work on becoming more Christ-like. Listen, friends, when it's all said and done, it's not the event that changes people. It's people who change people. It's the spiritual that changes people. 
It's the spiritual. It's the power of God. The presence of God in your life, my life, that impacts people. It's not the event. It's the power of God. It's the spirit of God that changes people. Oh, maybe you're in your church and you say, oh, I don't have a building like this. Well, praise God. Thank God that it's not the building. It's the spirit of God. Maybe you're there and say, oh, I don't got this kind of music like here. It's okay. It's not in the music. It's bringing the spirit of God into your church house. Bringing the spirit of God into your house. There are times that we got to align ourselves and position ourselves for God to move. That's what I want us to do this morning, if it's okay with you. Throw your hands up in the air. Lord, we're in this place. And we want to experience a move in our churches, in our region, on this capital region. We want to experience your power, your presence, so that, that, that people will come into our church and they can feel your presence. They can feel your power. They can feel your anointing. When people come to our church, they're going to say, oh, it ain't about performance. It's about people that really love me, people that really care about me, people that are going out of the way for me. Take me into that song. Come on, your hands toward to heaven. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Jesus. Oh, God is greater. Oh, nothing is greater. Our God is strong. Come on and keep your hands short, heaven.